think that once you start bringing the human element into your working practices, you can start seeing or understanding how best your colleagues or your team works. So for example, I know that there are people in my the team that I'm working in at the moment will never work between four and five because they've got to pick their kids up from school. I know that sometimes people log back on in the evenings because after dinner, they're a little bit more productive, their head is a little bit more creative and they decide to do that, but then they'll start working a bit later in the morning. I think translating from the office environment to the home environment, in the office, you can pretty much see people and it's a myth, right? People are sat at their desks, they're visible, that they're working and they are being productive because you can see it, you can see what they're doing, you can see you know, that they're, they're, they're doing moving windows around or answering emails or doing whatever. But now is the time to allow people to really understand where their most productive mindset or when their most productive mindset is. What's up, my friend? I'm health expert, Ted Rice, coach to executives, entrepreneurs, and other high-performing professionals. Welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. What we do here is we break down science-based information on how to lose fat, prevent disease, and live a longer, healthier, legendary life. Today's interview with business consultant Nish Ranasingha is that we are going to take a different approach to improving your health. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll start off by saying people and organizations all over the world are struggling to ensure that they're getting the most out of their people and that they're caring for their people, caring for their employees, caring for themselves. People are disconnected, overwhelmed, tired of Zoom meetings, tired of working at home or enjoying working at home, but not understanding how to balance kids, having several different kids in several different grades with several different classes online and working and self-care. How do we make this happen? And that is what Nish is here to do. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard Nish on the show share her testimonial when she was working in Singapore as a business consultant. I helped her overcome a back injury to get her back into her life, to get her doing all the things that she loves doing. Today, she's here to help you start to work from home and get the most out of it, to overcome the overwhelm, the disconnect. And that's what we're going to get into today. And just a little bit about her. She has a boutique organization named Eleven Consulting that is helping companies change their strategies by putting people first. And what I love about this, just very briefly before we jump into the interview, is that if we want people to perform their best, we have to help them balance the stress with the recovery. It's just like exercise. You push too hard with exercise, you burn out. Work is the same way. And we're all (laughs) these days office athletes, it seems like. But we don't take recovery seriously. And we certainly don't, most of us at least, even big companies are struggling with how to make this happen in the context of remote work, working from home with the coronavirus strategy, with all the other struggles that I don't need to go over. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, before we jump into the episode, what I want to tell you is if you've been waiting for our challenge, we are going to be running it on September 18th. Spots are tight. So if you've been waiting for a sign and you want some coaching for me for free, my team and I have worked on this brand new comeback challenge. It's going to last for seven days. I'm going to coach you through it. People lose one, two, three, four, even five pounds. Part of that's water weight. Don't get too excited. But they walk away. People have said it's changed their life. One week with me. One week in the program. Really, it's not me. It's what they do, what they step up to do. So if you're ready to step up and take action, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge and join the challenge now. Again, spots are limited. Once we run this one on the 18th, as many of you know, 
uh, it, it, we're not sure when we'll run it again. We do it on our schedule. So if you're waiting, now's the time to sign up. If you're feeling like you've got the, the bug to, to do something about your health, now's the time to take action. Legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge is the place to do that. All right. So let's step into this conversation about how to be our best while working from home with Nish. Nish, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Can't wait to catch up with you and talk about how to work more effectively with working from home, with remote work, which we're all sort of dealing with. So welcome to the show. Can't wait to dive into this with you. Absolutely, Ted. It's so great to uh, chat to you anyway. But yeah, on on the subject that I'm passionate about is uh, all the better. Absolutely. And just to talk a little bit, you and I, we worked together uh, initially a couple of years ago with some of the back pain situation, but you're here today to talk to us about this new situation that so many people are facing due to the lockdown, the coronavirus, and due to fears of traveling and fears of commuting, many people are working from home. And it's created a lot of challenges for people. I've had clients tell me, I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm working. I'm, I don't have time for myself. And it, they feel like every single minute of their day is being taken up. Um, and just we're trying to figure out what's the balance here, how to set boundaries, how to be more effective, and how to maybe better connect with each other during this situation. So can you just talk about now, now you work with corporations, you consult with businesses on how to do this effectively. Can you paint the the picture that you see so many people and businesses struggling with? Absolutely. So I think that what's happened in the last few months is that everybody has transitioned to this way of working, assuming that it's actually going to be a temporary situation. Okay, we'll do it for a month, we'll do it for a couple of months, but it's dragging on three months, four months. We've come into this situation now six months down the line and nothing looks like it's changing. Um, Here in the UK where I'm based, we're talking about a second wave. There's things happening in Europe, which is already causing lockdowns. There's further lockdowns in Australia. People are coming in and out of lockdown. So it's a situation that we're going to have to work out how to move towards what we're calling here a new normal. So what I've seen in organizations that I've been working with is constantly we've got these uh, people who are on virtual calls, uh, getting fatigued on uh, by having several Zoom calls a day. They are getting burnt out by how many hours they're working a day. And not just that, they're sometimes using work to almost escape from their family situations and sometimes reverse, using their family situations as excuses to escape from work. So what I'm trying to help with at the moment is trying to work out the best way to balance out your days. If you've got families, if you've got people who depend on you who are at home, um, how to uh, make sure that you're communicating effectively with your working environment, uh, what your working teams and your, your managers to make sure that you are, they're allowing for your new working normal. And also not just that, finding out how to stop being fatigued with the people that you are having to work with um, and setting up those uh, techniques and setting really a mindset for or reconfiguring your mindset so that you can be more productive whilst you're sat at home and understanding how you can make your days more productive as we continue with with this new sort of state of affairs into into uh, the, the future, really. This could be how we how we do things for a while. So let, we may as well get used to it. Yeah. And um, some people are really enjoying it, working from home. Personally, I, I was doing this before coronavirus made it cool, right? Or a necessity rather. But uh, so let's talk. The first thing I think we should discuss is how should we look at this situation? What should the perspective be? I, I get the impression from some of the people that I talk, from, from my clients and some of the other people that I talk to that they're not getting a, a lot of direction and leadership from their peers, or perhaps they might be running a business and not sure how to help their employees in this new environment so that 
their employees don't burn out, right? Nobody, everybody wants the maximum productivity, which means that their employees and, or if we are employees, we need to be managing our energy properly. And when you're working from home, and this is something I personally had to deal with, it's like, where do you set the boundaries? Because you could just end up taking email all day long or doing calls all day long, like you mentioned. So what are some of the important perspectives we need to start to adopt when looking to make this work for ourselves without burning out? Absolutely. I think so. I think the first thing that we did or what I observed. So I'm somebody who, like you, has probably chosen to work remotely part of the week. So at the start of this year, I was doing probably about two days from home, but I enjoyed my time in the office going in, meeting people. I have, I was in a new job, so I was enjoying um, getting to know my colleagues. But slowly as obviously we moved into this uh, into this phase, I remember my first few days when we were working from home, 100% working from home, I was Googling. I was sitting there going, oh my God, what is this coronavirus? What's going on? How many deaths? And it was really weighing on my mind, like, what is going on? I couldn't really concentrate at work. And I spent that first probably week, week and a half, just following the news with a fine-tooth comb, where are the numbers, what's going on? And at some point, I realized it didn't serve me to do that. <laughs> it, it served me no benefit. And at the same time, what was happening was that everybody in the company that I was working with translated the working day because again we were used to working remotely it was a consultancy firm so often all of us would work at different points from home or in different countries so we kind of translated or they we the company translated what they did usually in the office online and that means the pace of meetings was the same the type of meetings that we were having were the same and you know it was quite difficult to concentrate going from you know you'd wake up in the morning you'd listen to the news and then you'd have a meeting about what you were doing in that day. And the switch was difficult. And what I found was when I was started having one-to-one meetings and getting used to um, working from home 100%, it was better for me to maybe have a quick chat at the start of the meeting. Hey, how's it going? How are you feeling? Isn't this crazy? What's going on today? Is your husband working from home? What's going on with your kids? What's, the, what's going on? And having those initial conversations to find out whatever, where everyone's head is at helped me in those first few few months, um, a few weeks, I suppose. And then turning the TV off. That was probably a game changer for me, <laughs> where I sat down and said, you know what, I just can't have all of this information that's coming into my head. And I think when you said, how, how can leaders um, help with some of this stuff when you asked that question, the biggest thing that I think that I did with teams that I was working with, and also going forward when I moved away from one client and moved to the other client, the biggest thing that I do in my teams is lead with empathy. So I kind of account for the fact that meetings are might, might run faster or they might actually end up having to be shorter because people have things that they have to do with their kids or they just have a, a difficult a difficult mindset. So a couple of things that I that I started doing was having what, what we call icebreakers or having a session um, or setting aside the first five to ten minutes of a, of a conversation just to say, hey, how are you going? How's, uh, what's going on with the kids at school? Um, how are they finding it? You know, is it difficult? Is it easy? How do you occupy your five-year-old versus your 10-year-old? And letting people have that space <laughs> to, to you know, explain their home situation, because that means that I can get a gauge on how much work they're going to be able, I'm going to be able to give them or how productive they're going to be in that week or that day, and giving them the opportunity to actually communicate that to me. And then if, it could be that, for example, at the moment I'm working with a team who were completely, I've started a new team. It's probably the first time I've been 100% remote where I've not met anybody. And um, there's a, a particular gentleman who has to do school runs whilst his wife is back and forth. And he often doesn't like an hour-long meeting. So giving people the space to communicate that, hey, do you have half an hour or can I go on for 45 minutes? Do you prefer hour-long meetings or do you prefer 10-minute meetings? What is your preference? And then working with each other to kind of, go through that and we'll often have like daily what we call stand-ups and it's it's partly down to the type of work that I end up doing which is technology consulting as well as you know helping people with uh, the remote working stuff but in those daily stand-ups we kind of do a bit of an emotional check-in with everybody and saying hey how's everyone going and what's everyone's day like and that gives people the space 
uh, environment to be open about what it is that they can and can't achieve in that day and in that week. And so what I would say to leaders is that if, if you're struggling with your teams and, and going in with, and trying to work out how much people are doing and things like that, start off with those week daily check-ins and start opening up your own uh, mind to other people's experiences. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I found is that literally you start off, the first meeting that, we, that we'd had, it was all online. Nobody turned their cameras on. Massive cardinal error, not turning your camera on. And as a leader, I do think that you should always put your camera on. If it means that you've got to brush your hair in the morning or put on a shirt, then so be it. But try and get yourself in a position where you look okay or you feel okay to put your own camera on because it just softens the uh, it softens the communication. You see people, people feel a bit more comfortable. Ted, you and I, what, we worked for a year, year and a half without actually meeting in person. And I remember when we met in person as if it was the, the easiest transition in the world. So honestly, putting, I've had, I've had people in meetings saying, oh, I don't fancy putting my camera on today because I don't feel good or no, I'm not, I'm not, I've just come out of the, the gym. I'm like, oh my goodness, do you think that I'm sitting here having full makeup and looking as if I'm about to walk a catwalk? No, just put it on. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's be empathetic with each other. And that's probably the biggest what we can start from is a place of empathy and realizing that everybody's going through their own journey with all of this, but we're all still trying to muddle through it so and get some work done. What I love about what you're saying here is that when trying to figure out how much to give your employees, what I hear you really saying is that if you want maximum productivity from people, if you're running a team and you want them to produce, if they're operating in a place of hijack, right, emotional hijack or amygdala hijack, if they're operating from a place literally from their brain that can't do great work, by including that human connection and asking people about what they're struggling with, how they're doing as well as what their preferences are, even if you even if you can't accommodate them a hundred percent, you can at least start the conversation instead of just like jumping into work and saying, "Hey, this is what needs to get done. Get it done. Doesn't matter if you're five and ten year old or whatever. Start to understand people's situations. Give them the space to talk about what they're going through, to talk about what they feel they need, and. In the end, I mean, the, what I do with some of my my high performers, my entrepreneurs, it's like if they're operating from a place where they're operating in that stressed out place, they don't get things done. They're not as productive. They don't make as much money. They don't solve as many problems. They don't think as creatively. And it's just how human beings work. And so what else you said was was really cool and something that I think that we're all starting to learn is even though we're all relegated to video conferencing, make sure you're taking advantage of it. Make it as human as possible. Turn on your video. Don't be the person who shows up with the video off. In my group coaching program, I always ask people to turn on the video. Show up, turn on the video. It's very weird when people don't do that. And certainly, if you're a leader, you got to lead from the front and make sure that you're doing that yourself. You're and and that you're uh, showing people, you know, how it's done, and maybe gently uh, nudging them to get with the program on that, so that there is that connection. I mean, you and I were speaking through video right now, even though this is going to be an audio only recording, because there's just a level of connection, even though we're not in person. Like you said, you and I, we worked, worked together for a year before we ended up uh, meeting in Singapore and eating some laksa uh, noodles in the hawker stands in the, you know this, that cool area of Singapore that we were in. And it was a more seamless sort of, it, it was a pretty seamless transition versus never having seen someone's body language or seen the way they present themselves. And there's so much that gets lost when that isn't there. What else do you feel is really important for leaders to know or to do when it comes to 
tackling this situation from working from home? I think that once you start bringing the human element into your working practices, you can start seeing or understanding how best your colleagues or your team works. So, for example, I know that there are people in my the team that I'm working in at the moment who will never work between four and five because they've got to pick the kids up from school. I know that sometimes people log back on in the evenings because after dinner, they're a little bit more productive. Their head is a little bit more creative and they decide to do that. But then they'll start work a bit later in the morning. I think translating from the office environment to the home environment in the office, you can pretty much see people. And it's a myth, right? People are sat at their desks. They're visible that they're working. And they are being productive because you can see it. You can see what they're doing. You can see, you know, that they're, they're, they're doing moving windows around or answering emails or doing whatever. But now is the time to allow people to really understand where their most productive mindset or when their most productive mindset is. So I know, for example, I love w- waking up in the morning. Um, I love working between like hard with no breaks between like 9.30, I think, and about 1.30, that time is really creative, productive for me. Post 1.30, I start getting into a bit of a slump. And then part, part, probably about 3 o'clock, I start getting back up again. Around lunchtime, you see, with the, with the intake of food and the kind of probably uh, what you'll call a, you know, the sugar high and the slump or whatever you'll call it in your nutrition world. But uh, yeah, so with all, with all of that, it's starting to understand how best people like to work. And something interesting, I mean, this we're taking out of context a little bit, but um, something that somebody told me recently about schools here in the UK, where a lot of the schools over last uh, over before the summer, uh, schools closed. What happened was was that all of the on classes for students had to be online, and there was a 15 year old boy, a gentleman who I was speaking to, his 15 year old son. Um, they've realised that actually he is his grades have improved significantly since he's been working from home, and it means that he doesn't necessarily work well in the classroom environment with people around him he might get a bit intimidated a bit distracted but at home when he's able to pick up his work in his own time and do it at his own pace with the teacher around to potentially you know help him prompt him his grades have improved so that means when he's coming back to school we our school term starts in September so what they've decided is for that child and I guess throughout that school they've tried to work out what best environments are are creating the best learning environment for that child so They've said to him, okay, look, you, you don't have to come in 100% of the time. You can do some of your classes from home. And it's understanding that. I mean, that to me was pretty cool. The fact that a C grade potential student is now up to a B and beyond grade because he's able to choose the times that he's able to be most productive instead of saying, okay, well, you have to be productive from nine to five or um, at school ages is like what eight to three. Let, let people pick their own um, times because all of us are different. All of us have our own different distractions, our own journeys that we're on. And, you know, if it means that sometimes the person, not, not every part of the team is online at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. If somebody else starts at 11 and, and goes on till nine, whatever it is, let those people kind of pick their hours. And it, you don't have to be so kind of open about it but just start noticing these things and not uh slapping people on the wrist for not being online with their little green dots at nine o'clock in the morning just let people be switch more to a kind of outcome-based mindset i'd say and that has been really tough for some people i know that i've been working with managers and directors over the last few weeks who've complained that their teams have been you know i don't know where anyone is i don't know if anyone's working i don't know whether when i speak to somebody if they're outside what are they doing you know, and it's okay. Like it's okay for people to to take their own time and be, uh, work out how productive they are and and still get good results. Because I promise that if you start being uh, start becoming a little bit more outcome based, you'll definitely see a more productive uh, workforce. That is probably one area, and the other one is scheduled breaks or scheduled kind of team fun. I suppose I should say. So you know, translate all of your all of your meetups, your monthly catch it, your monthly team drinks or whatever it is. See if you can translate all of that online and still maintain that connection. If you stick your video on and get everyone to get a gin and tonic and a glass of wine between 5.30 and 6 on a Friday, again, you, you create more connections. Yes, it's not as fun as being in the pub or in the bar or I don't know where you, where, where do you, go, where do you drink in the US? Uh, dive bars? Is that where you drink? <laughs> <laughs> dive bars. <laughs> Nice restaurants. Well, I mean, I'll I'll just share. uh, For me, 
nice restaurants, uh, you know, perhaps uh, an upscale bar. But uh, yeah, I, you you Brits, you think we're all just Sorry, I don't know. Americans <laughs> at dive bars. <laughs> it's okay. We think we but think yeah. you're all in the pub, right? It's all fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so continuing with that, right? Starting. So what you said was the two things. One, I, I really want to open up this more because it's so important being more outcome focused instead of like, are you are you sitting at your desk from nine to five with one hour for lunch? Like um, like like it's always been done. And I think one of the new things that I mean, one of the reasons why I'm completely unemployable by uh, nobody would ever want to hire me is because I fit myself to my own schedule. I figure out what works for me and I do that. And as a result, I've built a, a business that's growing even in spite of some of the obstacles that many other businesses are facing, even online businesses are facing. And there seems to be an element of perhaps ego, perhaps, you know, the illusion that you're in more control, but easing up and, and dealing with your own emotional stuff so that your teams are able to create the outcomes that you want, you have to ask yourself this question. And this is what I, I work on with my, I mean, I don't just, I know people think it's just those that you just do fat loss. No, we work on, we work on stress management. And part of that is, uh, especially for entrepreneurs or executives is learning how to work with the team and learning how to be more outcome focused and less micromanaging, but creating an environment and creating arguably just as if not more important relationships that lead to the outcomes that you want versus thinking, oh my gosh, what are my employees doing right now? Are they even working right now? It's like, well, they were on Facebook. There's way too many on Facebook. There were way too many people on Facebook anyway before this all started, right? And part of it is because that old way doesn't work, not for everybody at least. And that's what you're saying. And the other part that you're saying is that at least the way I interpret it is for those people who still found the social connection through the the meetings outside of work, through the the dinners and meetings at bars, uh, diver otherwise niche. The, for those people, why not try to create that? And it's, oh yeah, but it's not the same. Yeah, of course it's not the same, but we need, one of the things that I'll tell you is we have, the, the thing that I probably have developed the most over traveling and working remotely is adaptability. Being able to not, get into this on or off switch like, oh, well, it's not the same as this, so let's not do it, right? It's an on or off. It's a, it's a switch. Either it's on or it's off. Being adaptable and looking at the gray area, looking at things as a, a volume knob instead of a, uh, an on and off switch and doing what you need to do until you know, eventually we will have those in-person meetings again, but what can you do right now? Even if it isn't ideal, even if it's not what you want to do, even if it's not as good as the good old pre-quarantine coronavirus days, right? Adapting to the situation, showing up and leading instead of getting stuck in this all or nothing mentality. What else do you feel is important for leaders and executives to to know about like maybe themselves and managing their own energy so i think something that is key is understanding your own mindset in that day because ultimately people can find it burdensome to to try and lead or do all these things and and keep energy high if for example you haven't checked in with yourself that day and said, hey, do you know what? What do I feel like today? Or how do I, how am I feeling today? And there's plenty of things all over the world in this, in today that can get you down. But the key is understanding what you can actually take control of. And the way that I think that anyone can do this is through meditation. Probably the one saving grace through all of 
uh, everything is to is that you understand or I personally can uh, try and get into meditation and try and cultivate that habit and I have found myself telling people or even you know trying to practice more of this myself but daily sitting down and you know if I'm having a day where I'm a little bit overwhelmed or I know that I'm going to have a load of meetings and a load of different things happening in that day um, because I actually have different clients it's much much like yourself you can go from uh, coaching calls to interviews to then you know something else to whatever it is lots of different uh, hats on throughout the day so uh, having a set time to sit down quietly with your own thoughts and think and observe what it is that you're thinking about in that day it could be that you're completely your mood is completely based on the fact that you are upset about the state of affairs that you're currently bringing your children up in um there's a virus there's political issues um it's raining outside whatever it is but these are all things that if you observe that you can say quite logically i can't control this and then suddenly it moves to right what can i control in, the, in today right i can make myself a cup of tea because i think that that's what's going to make me feel better in the next 5 minutes i can go to the gym later to make sure that i'm working on my he- my health and fitness and my own mental uh, mental resilience i can set up a meeting with somebody from accounts because i know that um she needs uh, she or he needs my help with something and we haven't really caught up in it for a while so why don't we do why don't we, why don't we do that so i think that talking to somebody who's in a leadership position don't neglect your own personal well-being for the sake of just you know moving your teams forward through this through this period it, it is incredibly important to uh, check in with yourself and the best way to do that through that i would have always found is meditation so if you're able to stick on a meditation app or a track or whatever it is that you use see whether you can start getting into that because that is transformative and i know that you'll probably be the first person to agree with me Ted in terms of that i've always liked the idea of meditation was in the martial arts and i grew up seeing like movies where the where the martial arts the actor the lead role the guy was practicing martial arts usually men but sometimes women actually but then there would be this meditation aspect too and i always thought it was so cool but when i sat down to do it i really struggled i felt like it wasn't for me i didn't know if i was doing it right and then i found headspace and injured my back actually some story you and i both share in part how we came to be friends with each other and it was the thing that got me through those nights when my nerve my sciatic nerve was hurting so bad that i was lying on the floor in my living room couldn't sleep 3 in the freaking morning and just feeling like ah i understand why people kill themselves now and not even to joke about that i literally was thinking like oh my gosh like i think i get it like if this doesn't stop how could i keep living my life like this this was an actual thought i was having and with all the things that i've been through it was this moment right where i'm like oh man uh you know no sleep tremendous pain and meditation was a thing that helped me get through it in those literal and figurative dark hours of the night and ever since then a couple things i realized one is that when we're feeling overwhelmed we're feeling depressed highly anxious it's because we don't have enough to balance out the stress and meditation is a powerful way to do it the problem is that it takes some work to learn it takes it's like riding a bike you fall off the bike you don't balance yourself right away it's like driving a car you're you don't just keep your foot on the brake pop the the you know pop it in to drive and then just take off and follow all the rules and don't worry about it and have a conversation on the phone you've got to put in some work ahead of time and uh, so many people give up so easily but it's been the thing for example I'll just in my point by saying I I meditated 30 minutes this morning I woke up a little bit earlier than I wanted to and um I was like oh my gosh right it's just one of those nights and how can i make this day great even though i'm not feeling 100% from my sleep last night i'm not waking up 
you know, and for a lot of people, they go to coffee for a lot of people though, you know, maybe just stay in bed and just scroll on social media. But what I found is that if you can bring yourself to do something that reduces stress early in the morning, whether it's deep breathing or even better, some form of meditation, it sets you up, it prophylactically sets you up to handle whatever comes up in your day. It's better than a cup of coffee, better than taking adaptogens like rhodiola. It is incredible, but it takes some some work to learn and implement. What can you share about your journey? Because I know we talked, your your family, you were born and raised in the UK. Your family, your family is Sri Lankan, which is Buddhist. But I what I remember from our conversations is that you started getting into meditation a bit later. What was your journey like through meditation? And what do you have to say about it for people starting out? Yeah, so like you mentioned, so I grew up with meditation, but, you know, it was just something that we thought that we'd do on a Sunday. You know, we went to the temple and they told us to sit down. Didn't really understand what it was. I actually started probably getting, I got a little bit more into it as a and as a kind of anxiety tempera, I suppose is the best way to, something to temper my anxiety uh, when I went to university. I, I've traveled a lot, so I've been in different countries and it's it's sort of in those first few crazy months of transition, it always ends up being something that I'm like, you know, let's let's see whether I can do that meditation practice that I learned when I was a kid. But really speaking, I got more into it when I went to Asia and I lived there for three years uh, just before coming home last year. And um, like you say, like, it's hard. Like, I've tried to diversify the types of meditation that I'm doing. I didn't want to just do breathing meditation. I didn't want to just do, you know, that sort of meditation where you – um, look at you, you just think about a sentence or a, or, or, a, or a mantra is what they call it so you don't think about those in your, in your mind sometimes lately I've literally just been sitting down and or lying down actually and just thinking just checking in with um, my body and my mind really and thinking about what it is that I'm thinking about and this concept of observing thoughts um, I've used the headspace app so you know just being having it having it as part of our culture or my my background hasn't d- meant that I inherently know what it how what good feels like in terms of meditation it means that I've just sort of stuck with it as something that I know uh, might help and something I read a great little book I read uh, my dad gave me this book which was written by a priest really small book um, a tiny book called kindfulness and what that priest writes about um, it's written by a, a British but Australian uh, priest who's got into um, into uh, Buddhism. So a Christian. He was a Christian, and then he's converted to. He, he went and he's called Ajahn Brahm, and he actually is in Australia now. So he converted from Christianity to Buddhism, and is a kind of quite a, quite a prominent figure in the Buddhist community now over in Australia. And um, he basically wrote that he's written. It's a really easy book to read, and what he says is. All of the times that you sit down and you meditate, and every, even if you sit down for five minutes and all you think about is, oh my goodness, is this meditating? I can't believe this is meditating. I don't feel any different. I don't see any stars or I don't see any colors. I don't see all the things that other people tell me that I should do when I'm meditating. My, my mind doesn't calm. If there's just a stream of consciousness that just keeps coming, that's fine. That is literally just five minutes that you've spent trying to get into a state where your your thoughts are a little bit more um, calm. And if that happens for five days in a row, that's absolutely fine. Numbers, day number six and day number seven, guaranteed, they'll start to slow down. And it's just making sure that you're, it's the same as, you know, training a muscle. In fact, it's the same as training a muscle. Day one, you can't lift it. Day two, you can't lift it. Day three, you can't lift it. But day four, it might become a little bit easier. And day five, it becomes a little bit easier. So a lot of people give up on meditation because they're like, oh, I can never, I can never stop my thoughts. I can never stop thinking. But, you know, what I'm finding lately is that I'll think about one thing and then I'll think about another thing. And then I'll say, hey, what was I thinking about? Oh, I was thinking about that meeting that I had today. Hmm, okay, I can't really think about that now. So let's think about something else. And that will happen even today. I've been sort of trying to get into meditation for the last four years. And it might be a good day and it might be a bad day. but what he what he says in this book is that any try that you give is still valuable in your journey towards 
you know, achieving a meditative state, because in that moment, you're simply looking inwards and checking in with yourself. Some days I just sit there. And the only thing I think about is, how do my shoulders feel today? How does my head feel today? Do I have a headache? Am I tired? How does my back feel today? That's a big thought that I always have. How does my back feel today? Is it hurting on the left or on the right? And maybe through the five minutes that I give myself or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, that's all I think about. And there might be space between the thoughts. And sometimes that space is long. Sometimes that space is really short. But I don't ch- I don't um, chide myself or I don't sit there and say that that was a rubbish meditation. Um, I'll just say, okay, that's what happened today. And then I'll move on to the next thing. And often, honestly, you get up from a meditation, you're like, okay, that was uh, interesting. And you kind of, you, you take a deep breath and you and you move on. And um, just what I'd say is just stick with it. Try again the next day, try again the next day. And doing it, doing it at the same time in the morning really helps. And I know that it's really hard when you've got children, you've got families and you've got dogs wandering in. But in that case, see if you can find a time that's earlier in the morning, maybe before everybody gets up, to take that time to to check in with yourself and see how, see, set your strategy really for, for, for tackling the day. Because that's what it is for me every day. You sort of check in with the day that's gone before and then you decide what how the, how you're going to feel for the day ahead. And um, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's, like I said, it's quite transformative in terms of how, how it sets your mindset for the day. And it means that even if it's between meetings, you can do that as well because it sort of allows you to take a deep breath and then decide how you're going to deal with the next hour or two. So yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic practice. And I wouldn't say that it's easy or it's the same for anyone. I've had friends who are like, oh, I saw the walls melting away and actually my, my crown was really <laughs> I don't I can't say that I've had those experiences yet. Maybe as I get more mature in my practice, um, half an hour is pretty good. I, can't, I can manage about 25 minutes um, at the moment. But I find that I'm much better in, this, in a lying down position too because um, that's, it's easier for me. Plus, you know, with my, with my herniated back issues, sometimes it can be a bit uh, difficult to sit for that long. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a great, great thing to try and uh, develop into your lifestyle. The analogy that you made with the gym is so important because people don't give up as easily in the gym. They'll come back and they'll train but with meditation, I find people give up very f- quickly. Part of it is that it's probably need a bit of coaching on it, right? Or a bit of direction on it. Like you, I didn't get into meditation seriously until I moved to Asia, even though that I tried. But it just the the proper and not not to say that you have to go to Asia to get it down, especially right now, might be difficult. But Finding someone to help you or finding an app that you connect with. Some people don't like some of the clients that I have who try meditation don't like Headspace, but they like Sam Harris's waking up app or they like Insight Timer or whatever it is. Finding something that works for you and keep trying it. And just to maybe add another level here, just so people understand that it's not. It's not just some, it's very trendy to talk about mindfulness, very trendy to talk about meditation. The reality is that we train our bodies, we think we train our brains, but how effective is it to go and do some of the things that we do, right? The Sudoku or the brain training apps. What we know is that if you want to train your brain, meditation is one of the best ways to do that. There's some evidence that it shows it causes neuro- neurophysiological changes. You're better able to focus. It connects. Um, it, it you can lower when when I do meditation, uh, I wear an aura ring, and it shows that my heart rate variability goes up. Not to dive into that, but uh, and my resting heart rate goes down as well. So my stress levels. Oh, and I've measured my blood pressure before. My blood pressure drops. Uh, so many of us, we think, oh, well, I need a pill to bring my blood pressure down. I need a drink to relax. There's nothing wrong with drinking. <laughs> Take your medication if your doctor says to, but know that there's this is something that has real physiological effects on your entire body and more specifically your brain. So uh, very cool. I, I can't talk, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. 
and I guess that's one one of the many ways in which we connect and many of the uh, commonalities that we share. And Nish, uh, you know, I can talk to you for hours, and we often do. But I would ask you this: What is the one challenge to wrap this uh, interview up with that you can challenge someone listening right now? to do because one of the problem I'll just say this briefly is that one of the problems I feel that we're in it's a habit of modern people right living in this world of information overload and we end up taking a lot of information because we feel it, feel it's so important but yet we don't do anything in our lives it's just nodding our heads and oh that's fascinating that's interesting so what I would ask you to do is what is a challenge that you could give someone right now that they could start to implement from some of the suggestions that you talked about today? I think meditation might be a bit too much for some people. So I do think that coming back to the topic at hand, being the, um, being the, we're trying to get people more productive at home and trying to get everybody more, a bit more open to um, team working from home and collaboration. I think that if you're currently in a situation where, your teams have all got their cameras turned off and you've just literally tried to drag and drop your current office situation to your uh, home working environment. One challenge I would set is in your next meeting, get everybody to turn their cameras on. If they don't turn their cameras on, maybe just maybe just tell them beforehand, this meeting, our next team meeting, I'm going to have everyone turn our cameras on. And for the first five to 10 minutes, depending on how many people are in that meeting, we're going to just check in with each other. We're going to say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Or even do an icebreaker session. Meaning what, what we do, obviously, I've actually implemented some of, the, uh, some of the stuff that you and I have done in our, some of our sessions together. The clears and the wins. Go through everyone. What's been your clear of the week? What's been your win of the week? And go through everybody. And it doesn't have to be a work-related clear. It doesn't have to say, you don't have to say, oh, you know, I... Uh, didn't manage to get my, I don't know, my, I, d- I was late for a meeting. It could be that I didn't get the washing in on time and we didn't have underwear for a day, something like something like that. Something, you know, make it really, um, really personal related or, or, you know, not too more human. And um, that's the challenge that I set. Get everybody to put their, cam- their cameras on in your next team meeting and try and humanize it. Pick your own icebreaker. You don't have to take the advice that I just gave. But see how that works for you and see whether that actually means that that next team meeting was actually a little bit more fun than the ones you've been having previously and see whether that doesn't connect your team a little bit more than it has been. Because right now, every single person just needs connection. We've got people in Australia who have, are back in are back in quarantine um, and have, haven't seen their families for weeks now, for months. Um, we're people in the US uh, like who are who are in and out of quarantine, trying to work out what's going on there. People in the UK who might be out and about, but are extremely anxious about the transmittance of disease. Whatever it is, let's all just try and connect a little bit more to each other whilst we're still at home, and just do that little icebreaker session because they really work. And it means you know it's been so successful for me um, over the last few months that it, you know I'm literally the only person in a in a meeting with everybody's cameras off just sitting there going guys are we turning our cameras on today and it makes such a difference and I can see the energy changing I can see the people changing I can see the tone of how we're working together changing as well people are less annoyed with each other people understand each other more Uh, people can see each other's kids in the background and that humanizes people you know people a dog walks in and that humanizes people you know so it's just uh, it's such a it'll it'll bring your teams together and it'll make your whole working experience and your day better that I can probably guarantee Nish, thanks so much. And if you're interested in reaching out to Nish to find out more about her consulting, go to contact at 11co.co.uk. So that's contact at uh, the word 11co.co.uk. So if that's a little confusing, that will be on the show notes for it. But again, it's contact at E-L-E-V-E-N-C-O dot C-O dot U-K. Nish, thanks so much. Always a pleasure catching up. And uh, it'll be interesting moving forward how this situation develops and how we all adapt to it. But always a pleasure. And thanks so much for sharing your insight into this today. 
Thank you, Ted. Always fun talking to you. Bye. That wraps up another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I love talking to Nish. We're friends. We actually got to meet up in Singapore, as you heard. And again, probably the biggest takeaway for me for this is as we were talking about the challenges, the struggles, we need to include the human interaction as much as we can. We've got to make it feel good, in other words. And a lot of that comes through humanizing the experience that we're all going through, not pretending that it doesn't exist, and also connecting screen to screen as as best as we can, and that means keeping our videos on. In addition, stresses are a bit higher, right? I had a conversation with an entrepreneur client recently. He's like, you know, just the stress is a bit higher all the time because of the COVID situation. And he runs a school in Pakistan. And it's like, is it going to open? What are the going to be the new rules that we're going to have to follow? Those are changing all the time that when it's going to open changes. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changing of plans, sometimes even weekly. And we need a way to get ourselves through. Now, we don't have to say, oh, this time is awesome. It's challenging us to step up into our higher selves and Look, (laughs) we don't have to put on a happy face like this is a great thing. I'd rather be doing what I typically do. I was working on myself and doing growth, uh, personal growth and excelling in my uh, business and as a person, personally and professionally. I did not need the stress of a virus to um, make me step up more. But here's the thing. We, we all are in this together and we don't have a choice because there's this virus out there and we don't know, you know, with all the misinformation and crazy information, <laughs> it's just people going nuts. It's hard to even tell, like, is this super dangerous? Is it not super dangerous? But we, uh, but as we figure that out, as we go through this, we still need to show up for ourselves. We still need to take care of ourselves. And as we work from home, we still need to find a way to do that, even though some things get taken away from us. So that was a bit longer than a a short takeaway from this conversation, but that's how I wanted to end up. And again, if you're looking to spend a week with me, actually, you're probably not looking to spend a week with me, but if you're looking to step up your health, if you're looking to reverse some of the 60 up to 16 pounds that 76% of Americans have put on since March. I can help you with that. And I will help you with that in the free seven day comeback challenge, quarantine comeback challenge. Again, it's kicking off on the 18th. And if you want to be part of that, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. That's legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. All right, my friends, hope you enjoyed this one. I will speak to you on Friday. Love you. Stay safe out there. Show up for yourselves and I will speak to you soon.